This morning, our text comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, just a brief, short parable that Jesus shares. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Today we wrap up our Awakening Hearts message series and we've been just imagining what it would be like to have an entire community coming alive to the power of life in Christ. Now, every single church has one mission, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, right? That is, that is the mission of the church. But how we specifically do that in this place, in this time, is by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Now, that is our mission. And if we are focused on that mission, then we will begin to see God make changes in who we are. As this disciple process works in our lives, we will live transformed lives of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal. This life of freedom is that we are set free from the law to live out our faith without worry or fear. This life of joy is what we are doing in here right now, just celebrating the grace that God has given us. This life that we live as a Christian is one that we can live with joy even though we have struggles. The life of sacrifice is allowing our Christian lives and our work for the Lord to impact our lifestyle. That it's not just something convenient that we do to serve, but it's sacrificial. And then finally, a life of renewal, where we celebrate the grace of God in our lives, share liberally the grace of God with other people, and then see God change who we are and bring renewal and transformation into our life. That's what we will see if we are successful with this mission. And the way that we carry this mission out is threefold. Worship gatherings, like what we're doing right this very moment, spiritual formation groups, which are smaller communities of believers. When we live life together, we eat, we, we pray, we love through difficulties, through celebrations, but in a smaller group. And then finally, what we're talking about today, community connections. Now, it's an important thing to remember that, that even though we've got three different strategies, this is not about you doing two of them or just doing one really, really well. Because it's important that every person here at St. Luke's incorporates all three of these strategies into your life. That everybody is in worship, everybody is connecting with other Christians throughout the week, and everybody is digging into their community. I want to unpack that a little bit today. So from this idea of the fact that we are supposed to serve, I want to start with the idea of who we are supposed to serve. Now, I, I like to cook. I like to invite people into my home and, and host. And when I invite people into my house, it's, it's because I like them. They like me. Uh, and we have a lot of things in common and we enjoy each other's company. Right? That's who I like to have over to my house. My dad was the opposite. Because my dad would come to Thanksgiving service on, 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 uh, on Thanksgiving, and he'd come to Christmas Eve, and he was just like looking throughout the congregation. He's like, just like, I want to find the most awkward, the most stinky, 
alone, spiritually hurting person. And he would like, I'd be like, don't pick that person, don't pick that person, don't pick, that's exactly who he would pick. And so now I'm uncomfortable, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, these are like important family events, and now I'm uncomfortable. But my dad knew the importance of including people and make them feel like they're part of family. And to this day, I still respect him a ton for it. Because he is serving people who had nothing to offer in return. Nothing that they could pay back. But I think, I think it, this parable is just so much more about people who are spiritual or who are physically the least of these, right? Because I think you can be completely uh, rich and prosperous from a financial or a physical standpoint and be bankrupt spiritually. So a friend or a brother or relative or rich neighbor could be physically prosperous and still, spiritually speaking, poor, crippled, lame, or blind. But isn't it just like our fallen humanity to want to measure and compare? I mean, that's, that's what we like to do. We love to be first, to be, to be big, to be important, to be of someone of influence. And Jesus, in this parable, reveals that holding all of those ideas together is this single concept of us always wanting to be a bookkeeper. Humanity loves to take score and measure and compare. Right? And yet, if God has announced anything through the person and work of Jesus Christ, it's that he has, for once and for all, completely eliminated the divine bookkeeping department. He keeps no record of wrongs. The ledger, the handwriting that you have against you has been wiped clean and made new. Your sinfulness traded for the righteousness, not of you, but the righteousness of Christ. Because even all of your good works that you do, Scripture says is like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. So they don't even dress yourself with good works. Dress yourself with the righteousness of Christ. Your ledger's been wiped clean. And God says, if I'm not keeping account of your rights and wrongs, who in the world are you to do so? On the cross, I knocked those out. I set, I set you free. That's the life of freedom that God is calling us to. You see, that's, that's the whole point of Jesus' parable today about, about reciprocation or repayment. Jesus is saying, look, you are absolutely enslaved to your bookkeeping. Drop dead to the accounting. This life-transformed life of freedom is what I want for you. And if we're measuring it all, I think that we could make the argument that we are the poor, the crippled, the, blame, the, the blind, or the lame. In this parable setting, Jesus, in his ridiculous amount of grace, looks at all of us and sees us as those spiritually poor, the poor in spirit. And he says, you, I invite to my table today. You who have nothing that you can offer me, I bring you to my table today. Don't even bring your filthy rags, just yourselves, and let me wash you clean. I want to give you an abundance of my love and my grace, and you can do nothing to pay me back, but this is all yours. See, that's what it means to be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit means that we recognize that we have nothing that we can offer God that he doesn't already have. 
To know that we are poor in spirit means that we know that we are sinful and in need of repentance and confession, just like we received earlier. To be poor in spirit knows that we just come to God in, his, in seeking his grace, and he lavishes that on us. He pours it out in abundance to us. That is why, in Jesus' words, blessed are the poor in spirit. We are indeed blessed. We are blessed. So that's the who. Let me talk about the why. Why is it that we are called to serve? There is this great joy in serving somebody else who cannot repay you. See, the the experiences and the blessings that God has given to you is not for you. It's to be shared with those around you. Whether it's your resources or your life stories or the things that you've encountered, you are meant to share those with other people. You see, God loves to pour his love out into every person's life. But he loves even more to do that through you. Because you get to encounter the joy that he knows in this loving service to others. And to know that that there's nothing earthly speaking that we could even seek to receive in payment. Because what we know, the reward that we have waiting for us in heaven, exceeds so much any earthly treasure. That what we have coming to us in Christ, this everlasting life in the kingdom of God, is everything. There is nothing that this world could offer us that makes our life any better. But just knowing that kingdom of Christ is coming in all of its fullness, in all of its glory, is enough. That is more than enough. There's nothing else we could gain. So how are we supposed to do this? How do we serve? Number one, with humility. A few verses prior to Jesus sharing this short parable today is verse 11. And Jesus says this, Everyone who exalts himself, lifts himself up, will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility is something that C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, writes about often. And in his book, Mere Christianity, he says this. And I, and I love this because it has everything to do with, with how we are to serve. Because sometimes I think we're here to serve like we are the church and we are here to serve you lowly people. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about that. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. There's an epistle reading from 1 Peter. And Peter writes this. That each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, he should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, when you are serving, you are serving with the power of God. When you speak, you are speaking with the words of God. And God gets the credit for it. It's him doing it all. Just through a bunch of broken clay vessels like you and me. Now, sometimes when we seek to help other people, sometimes we botch it up and we cause more harm than good. There's this incredible book called When Helping Hurts. 
It's written by two guys, Corbett and Fickert. They had this great idea of sometimes when you seek to help somebody, it ends up hurting. So how do we help without hurting people? Sometimes when we come into the, the, uh, the arena of service, we think we know the answer that somebody else needs, but that's not the answer that they truly need the most. And so there's three levels of helping those in need. The first level is relief. The next level is rehabilitation. And the third level is development. Now, the area of relief, this is when trauma or tragedy has struck and the person who is the helpee, the person in need of help, can do nothing to help themselves. Their life is a complete sideways, backwards mess. And the helper comes in and does a bulk of the work in getting that person to the place where the bleeding is stopped. Right? And then the next level of help that rehabilitation happens and the helper and the helpee are both working together. They're both working together and the helpee, the person who needs help, is responsible for helping to determine how that help occurs. And then the next level is development. Now development is when you take somebody who is in a difficult circumstance but they've got the bleeding stopped, they've kind of stabilized themselves, but now how do we get them to a, a higher place of functioning? And the helper really does very little of the work except for the coaching, the cheerleading, the, the encouraging. And the, the helpee does a vast majority of the work. And you see how things slowly shift, right? And here's where helping hurts is if you find somebody who is in a rehabilitation mode or a need of development and you just keep giving them relief. They get stuck there and they can't grow. And so it's important to know where do I give what level of help? Something just to consider as you think about the people that you're helping and how you're helping them. And there's a lot of, of ways that you can get plugged in in this community, in this neighborhood. Now, if you are a, a parent of children who are in the home, that is your community. That's your neighborhood. Your, your child as you raise, like you saw the, the fifth graders up here today and the, the sons and, and fathers and the daughters and mothers, that's your neighborhood. And your responsibility is to be a good steward of that child of God and raise them in the faith. Give them that secure foundation that when they're older, they, they will not depart from it. If you're employed at your workplaces, then, then it's, it's your opportunity to, to be curious about the lives of your coworkers, to really know them in and out, where they're struggling, where they're succeeding, and celebrate their successes and encourage them through their struggles. In your neighborhoods, perhaps you could invite everybody on your side of the street into a, a front yard driveway barbecue, just to get acquainted and, and learn their names. If you live in the Lutheran Haven, it, it could be like caring for your neighbors or providing transportation, visiting, welcoming new members into the community. And of course, there's always opportunities to engage with service groups and activities at St. Luke's. One I've been talking about for, for a long, long time with very little traction, and it's called Goods and Grace. Now, Goods and Grace is meant for kind of that mid-level, not the relief not the development, but that mid-level of rehabilitation where the helper and the helpee cooperate together. That's for the ALICE demographic. ALICE stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained, Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. Thank you. ALICE works multiple jobs a week. 
trying desperately to make ends meet. But too often times they have to make a decision between do I pay for my electric bill or do I pay for groceries? And if I pay my electric bill, then that means that I don't have enough for groceries, so I have to go to a food pantry. That's relief level work, right? So because it's not rehabilitation level help, it's relief level help, they lose their dignity. And so the way that you help preserve that dignity is get them back into a place where they can receive food at a, at a rehabilitation standpoint where they maintain their dignity and they can purchase food that they can afford. And that's a whole mission for goods and grace, to nurture bodies and souls with dignity and grace. Now we've been looking for a building and looking for a building and looking for a building for over a year. Just over a year ago, this particular building came up on the market and right before it looked like it was perfect, right location, right size, right everything. But right before we could get in on it, somebody else beat us to the punch. That building is now available again. It's on the corner of 436 and 1792. It looks like a big white barn. Many of you probably drive by it. And we received a, a lease agreement from the owner and it was pretty favorable. So we thought, well, if it's pretty favorable now, let's ask for a few other things. And so our lawyer took a look at it, massaged it, made it even more favorable to us, and we sent it back to the owner. And the owner uh, liked what he saw. He, he gave it to his lawyer to have him look it through. Uh, and then he said, well, by the way, would you like a bunch of shelves? Like, I'd like to give them to you if you want to use them. But I think we've got the right spot. He understands what we're doing from a ministry standpoint. So this is what I would like you to do. Please pray for that opportunity. Pray that that, that lawyer and the, and the, the owner understand that the ministry that can occur in this place, the way that we can pour into our neighborhoods and help provide Alice with some food. Please pray for that. Um, that, uh, as, we, as we look at this big picture as a whole, the way that we accomplish this mission is through worship gatherings just like this, living life together in small groups and spiritual formation groups, and then community connections. You don't get to pick two. You don't get to pick one. Roll up your sleeves and get busy with all three of these. And you will see God make amazing transformations in your life. A life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of sacrifice, and a life of renewal. As we live out and be, be so laser focused on this mission that God has given to us. To awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. And imagine what it would look like to see this entire community transformed with the power of Christ. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love and adore you. Thank you so much for drawing near to us who are poor in spirit. And even though there is nothing that we could offer you, you pour into our lives all that we need and more. God, as you pull us into this mission, align us all together, pulling in the same direction, that we would see incredible discipleship of the people who come to St. Luke's. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.